Hey, well, Luke in Scripture, Luke provides us with a clear picture of our sacrificial Savior in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 23, and invite you, if you'd like to turn there, we're going to look at a number of Scriptures today, encourage you to take some notes along the way, but we're going to need our Bibles or those devices here close. Listen to how Luke um, gives us this picture of our sacrificial Savior. Luke 23, beginning in verse 33. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him, being Jesus. They crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews... Save yourself. I want us to allow ourselves seen for even just a few moments. You see, we become familiar with this narrative. Most of us are familiar with this story, the crucifixion account. But I want us to allow ourselves to just kind of take in that scene for a few moments yet again. And with that, to recognize that Jesus had every right to retaliate. Jesus had every right to retaliate. Now, hear the words of the Apostle Peter, one of the twelve, one of the ones who rejected Jesus at his greatest point of need, this recorded in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 23. Peter writes that when they hurled their insults at him, at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die, so, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Some of us recognize that statement, don't we? For it is referenced by the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, by his wounds we are healed. Well, friends, today we continue our journey to Easter. We've examined thus far the love of Jesus. We've observed, as recently as last Sunday, the power of Jesus. This morning, we consider the forgiveness of Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, this morning we give you praise for the opportunity to be together, God, to be connected as this body, as this community of believers, and to welcome all into this space. God, we look to you today as we look to your word. 
pray that your spirit would powerfully speak as we reflect upon, as we consider, as we lean into this thing we know is forgiveness and the power of that forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for this time, and I thank you for each person present, both in person and virtually today, and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So, speaking of journey, we journey further back now in our scriptures this morning. We journey further back in Luke's gospel, now in chapter 7, beginning in verse 36. As you see in the scripture there, this is the account of Jesus being anointed by what is described as a sinful woman. And so this account unfolds in Luke chapter, chapter 7 and verse 36. I invite you to follow along as I read. It says that when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited Jesus saw this, He's, uh, when the Pharisee who invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. I mean, just kind of sense the tension that's in the room as this woman has shown up to do this very thing for Jesus. Jesus answered him. He said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Jesus goes on, he says, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Well, Simon replied, I suppose it's the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Guys, I, I feel like that's a key phrase that Jesus is saying. We all know that this woman is in the room, clearly. And she has become a disruption in the eyes of many of you. But do you really see what is going on for this woman? Do you see this woman? Jesus continues, I came into your house, Simon. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. These were ceremonial type things that a host would generally do for their guests. Jesus continued, he said, you did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. 
It's a very interesting story and other translations of scripture there in verse 47 that maybe I'm more familiar with it states it like this that therefore I tell you Jesus says her many sins have been forgiven for she loved much but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Jesus sent her away telling her that her sins have been forgiven. Friends I wonder for each of us, as we reflect on our own lives, have you found yourself on the receiving end of Jesus' forgiveness? I trust that you can say yes to that. In fact, probably the more likely answer is time and again, I have found myself on the end of Jesus' forgiveness. Friends, I would say for any of us, if you can't answer yes to that question and probably repeatedly answering yes to that question, then maybe God is calling you. He's drawing you to reconcile that relationship between he and you and your own life. Have you found yourself on the receiving end of Jesus' forgiveness? And certainly time and again, we have. And if you have... May we let that reality sink in yet again that I've been forgiven by God. You've been forgiven by God. The fact is, is that Jesus has every reason to reconcile. Not only did Jesus have had every uh, right to retaliate, but I want us to hear that powerful message that Jesus has every reason to reconcile, to restore relationship with us, relationship with you. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians about us being new creations if we are in Christ, if we have been reconciled with Christ, and then he continues he says in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 5, he says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to, him in, to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Paul continues there in verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5 where he says that God made him who had not, no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Guys, we must understand that there is a powerful exchange that happens in this thing we know as forgiveness. That we have a God, we have the Son of God who had every right to retaliate when he faced suffering and when he was facing shame. But he endured that and he even endured death on a cross because he also has every reason to want to reconcile with each of us his creation, calling us to be his new creation. Listen to the uplifting and inspiring words of the psalmist David. This found in Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. 
The first one, who forgives all your sins. David goes on to say as well, those benefits include healing and redemption and the satisfying of our souls. And in verse 8 and following, David writes, I love this, he says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Verse 11, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I love that picture that as far as the east is from the west, if in spreading out my arms to signify, signify from east to west, might we recognize that there is never a point where east or west fully cease to exist. They run one into the other. It all depends on the way that you're looking. It is never ending is what David is saying. As far as the east is from the west, go on and on and on so far has Christ removed our transgressions? Has he forgiven our transgressions and removed them from us if we will simply come to him with those transgressions? Here's the reality. It's that freedom brings a newfound freedom in our lives. Forgiveness, excuse me, brings a newfound freedom in our lives. No longer are you held back. No longer are you held captive. No longer are you having something held against you. You have been released from the penalty of your transgression and from your sin. You see, this journey of Easter, this journey to Easter, and the forgiveness of Jesus serves as a powerful reminder that yes, Jesus had every right to retaliate, and yet he has every reason to reconcile, and that our repentance is and can be met with his redemption. Our repentance met with his redemption. You see, it starts with a repentant heart. The Apostle John puts it this way in 1 John 1 and verse 9. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he being God is faithful and just to and, and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I read this scripture and I'm so familiar with it in other translations. Some of you know and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the reality being, John says, is it must start if we're going to experience, if we're going to engage with the forgiveness of Jesus, then it has to start with our own repentant heart. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Do you hear, do you sense the vulnerability, right, that comes and is necessary to have a repentant heart? 
But just as we may feel that vulnerability, may we also know the powerful truth that it is met, a repentant heart is met by a redemptive God. Paul writes in Ephesians 1.7, says that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, which he lavished on us. Friends, it's true. Jesus is ready. Jesus is willing to offer forgiveness to you. Some of us might be here this morning thinking, well, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand how life has unfolded for me. Friends, what I can tell you is that in God's eyes, as it relates to our own sin or as it relates to our own iniquity, that there is nothing irreparable in God's eyes. Might you know that today, that there is nothing in your life, there is nothing that has transpired that as far as God sees it, that is somehow irreparable in your life, that, that would cause such a division that you can never come back and approach God in a loving and in a repentant and in a humble way. Jesus is ready and willing to offer forgiveness to you. And the wonderful thing about that is that once we encounter the forgiveness that is found in Jesus, we can in turn extend forgiveness to those around us. Recently in our study of Colossians, many of you were a part of our Rooted in Christ series. We're reminded of this in Colossians 3 and verse 13 where Paul says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. And then kind of this powerful clincher, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty high mark, right? That's an intimidating statement right there. Forgive as, as the Lord, or maybe you might even insert in there, forgive in the same way as God has forgiven you. Well, it really begs the question, and a question which I've cited in messages past, and some of you will rem remember and recognize this question, and it goes like this. Do we really want God to forgive us in the same way that we forgive others? Meaning that maybe our forgiveness of others at times falls short, or it has a certain criteria, or it has certain parameters, and there are things in our, in kind of at least in our subconscious list, if you will, where we would say, well, that's irreparable. That cannot be recovered. And while there is always wisdom to be used in this thing known as forgiveness, and we don't just blindly, you know, offer it without some amount of accountability as well, but we also graciously offer it at times when we can't even reconcile those matters in our own mind. Because we recognize the damage that unforgiveness can do to our own hearts. It can hold us captive. It can hold us back. We end up holding on to a debt that Christ has already paid for. And he instructs us to release that debt for him. Even if it seems rather counterintuitive in our own minds. 
Do you really want God to forgive you in the same way that you might extend forgiveness or the lack thereof to others? Bottom line is that we need to practice forgiveness the way that we have received forgiveness. And the fact is, is that is oftentimes much easier said than done, isn't it? it principally, it sounds good. Forgive as the Lord forgave me, absolutely, but not him, not her. Maybe everybody else, the ones that are easy to forgive, but I believe what Christ is saying here is he's saying the forgiveness that I bring is a forgiveness for all whom I have created, and it's a forgiveness that you're to extend to all those who surround your life. May we reflect on this idea here this morning, because I don't know where each one of us, of course, stands as it relates to the forgiveness of Jesus, what I do know is that none of us is perfect. Amen? <laughs> none of us is perfect. We all go against God's ways, and we're all in desperate need of the grace and mercy only accessible through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. Remember Christ's redemption only comes to those whose hearts are truly repentant. Our repentance met with the redemption of Jesus, met with his redemption. Friends, as we approach Easter once again, may our hearts cry, May our genuine desire be that of the confession that we find offered in Psalm 51. It's a very deep confession of David as he has been caught in adultery and he recognizes his sin and he knows that there's no other place for him to go than to go straight to God with his sin. I want to read part of that psalm as we'll prepare to close this morning. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. David says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. David continues, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation 
and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Friends, when it comes to the forgiveness of Jesus, when we recognize what Jesus went through on our behalf, that he had every right to retaliate in those moments when he was being crucified, when he was suffering, he could have ended it right there and be relieved of all the pain and continued pain that was to follow. He had every right to retaliate. But Jesus also had every reason to want to reconcile a relationship that had been broken. Our repentant hearts, our position and posture of humility can be met with his redemption and his grace. We're going to share in a song in our response this morning that simply titled, Come to the Altar. You know, there's something that's powerful about us humbling ourselves before God. And yes, we have physical altars this morning. And yes, we will invite you to come as God leads you today. There's just something about humbling ourselves before God and, and saying, Jesus, I have veered from that path. Or maybe you're here today or listening online and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It comes through us being repentant and recognizing our sin and humbling ourselves and asking in that repentance of our sin for the forgiveness that only comes through Jesus Christ. And welcoming him to be Savior and Lord of our lives. So that as we then next Sunday on Easter will celebrate the victory of Jesus, we, are, we acknowledge and we receive through forgiveness that victory that is ours. No longer slaves are held by sin, but becoming slaves to righteousness because of the work of Jesus Christ. This morning as I lead us in prayer and as we'll share in this time, I want to invite you in whatever way God is calling you to be humble before him today with a contrite heart, with a repentant heart to receive that redemption that is yours. Maybe for many of us that means coming and kneeling at an altar of prayer today and humbling ourselves. May God direct you in that, but may you hear from him what God is saying to you and what he is asking you to do for the forgiveness of Jesus awaits you, awaits me. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, today we thank you for the opportunity that comes in forgiveness. We thank you for the life that we can experience, the, the freedom that comes from the forgiveness that is ours if we will repent of our sin, receive your forgiveness and restore you in that right place in relationship with us. Lord, I pray for the one, pray for the many maybe today who have maybe never made that decision. That God, today, maybe today would be the day that they would acknowledge their sin. That God, you're not here to shame them. You're not here to publicly call them out. God, you're here to receive as we humble ourselves, as we repent of our sin and receive your forgiveness. God, we thank you for it. It's a beautiful thing. 
for others of us, God, who maybe strayed away from the ways that we know you want us to walk in, God. May we confess that before you today. May we humble ourselves, and maybe that's in the posture of kneeling before you today. Saying, God, I receive the forgiveness once again that Jesus was willing to die for and take my place. God, we humble ourselves. We want to hear from you. We want to do what you're asking us to do. Maybe you'll be honored in our lives. In Jesus' name, 